Bears. Welcome to episode 129 of the most LAFC podcast in the universe. My co-host likes to say Earth, but I like to expand the borders. I'm calling it the universe, baby. That's right. We are Defenders of the Bank. We're calling episode 129 a pair of boots for Rossi and a chance at revenge. I am your horrifically hungover, ooey-pooey consumer of sanitary shoeys, Christian Philly Philemon, and with me as always, the sadistically sober and not hungover tyrant of threads, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. That's right. When you have parent-teacher conferences in the morning, no drinky for J.R., at least not nearly as much as you had last night, Philly. Look, another match that ends in a little bit of frustration for LAFC, but... Silver linings abound in this one as well. I've actually got a new segment that I would like to debut come playoff time that I'm going to talk to you about Philly after we record this episode. But either way, it was a bit of a sad day in the Scarf household this morning as I woke up to the news like all of you did of Alex Trebek's passing. Look, it really made me take stock of how lucky I've been in my life to be able to share this story with you guys. See, if I didn't have sports practice or something going on at school that kept me late, my family and I, we would always have dinner right about 6 o'clock at the dinner table and then come from the dinner table after 6 o'clock, head on over to the couch, and at 7 o'clock, almost every single night, Monday through Friday, we would sit and watch Jeopardy with Alex Trebek. I grew up playing along with all the contestants. I've tried out a couple of times and taken the test. Hopefully this year I'll be able to try and get on, although who knows what they're going to do now. Rumors are, by the way, Dan Patrick was a, uh, a host that was uh, rumored to be taking Alex Trebek's spot at one point or another. He hosted Sports Jeopardy on, I think it was like ESPN or one of those channels for a while. But, you know, my entire life, from when I was old enough to remember until, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, my goodness, sitting down and watching Jeopardy at seven o'clock at Alex Trebek. And he's just, he's one of those, like, I don't want to say father figures, but like one of those constant voices in your life. Someone who, you know, I, I guess I took for granted before the news of his passing. You just assume you'll be able to finish dinner, turn on the television at seven o'clock and hear Alex Trebek's voice every single night, Monday through Friday on Jeopardy, a really sad day. I definitely took a moment and paused. And and what it did was it made me more thankful for that time with my family too. Being able to say that, wow, for most of my life, I sat with my family at dinner at six and we had a consistent enough schedule to say that we were able to listen to and watch Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. It was was a tough one today for Scarf. I, I uh, I do mourn the passing of Alex Trebek. It's, it's Sean Connery, not a couple of weeks ago, Alex Trebek today, and then you, just, <laughs> you start thinking about those Saturday Night Live skits. Burt Reynolds not too long ago? Hey, Burt Reynolds, yeah, this COVID has been a mother of, of a year, but I couldn't help but cackle to myself <laughs> just thinking about that, that Jeopardy bit on Saturday with Saturday Night Live and just, <laughs> I'll take the rapist for 100, Trebek. <laughs> That one? You had to pick that one? It's Therapist, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a funny one. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's an unfortunate thing. But 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 on a sad note as well, Scarf, Yeah, we no longer are the Supporter Shield champions. <laughs> Smooth segues with Defenders of the Bank. Smooth yeah. segues. But, but in kind of a comical note, 
Philadelphia doesn't quite have the supporter shield just yet. They had that, maybe it was plexiglass or plastic little Captain America shield that they made. And Philly, what did we find out on social media? Was it UPS to blame for this? Apparently uh, overnight didn't quite mean overnight for UPS. No, apparently it was still at United Parcel Service and it didn't make its way over into Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, we, we, we got a kick out of it. We thought the 3252 might have played a prank on, on the supporters uh, over Philadelphia by keeping the real shield and sending a, something made out of, well, I don't know, it could have been oak tag. Uh, but, but the jokes definitely popped up on social media. You know, congratulations to, to the 2020 cardboard cutout champion, Philadelphia Onions. <laughs> Funny trophy presentation, but that's the story there. Look, we got, we got a whole bunch of things to talk about. Scarf, decision day. What a day, November 8th. Yeah, decision day. It's really cool the way MLS does things and the way they did it this year. All the Eastern Conference teams played at 12 or 12.30, and all the Western Conference teams played at 3.30. So that was kind of neat. It was almost like NFL Red Zone. You and I were sitting here like, this is kind of cool. We're getting to go back and forth to each of the matches, seeing who scores, when they score, how they score. That was pretty neat. Lots and lots of goals off set pieces today, it seemed like. And lots of other former LAFC players will be playing in the playoffs all in the Eastern Conference, we've got Lee Wynn in the Revolution, Walker Zimmerman in Nashville, Joao Moutinho in Orlando. That's right, perennial doormat Orlando City SC making the playoffs for the first time in their six seasons as a club. And also, look, we congratulated Nashville last week, last episode anyway, for making the playoffs in their inaugural season. And Inter-Miami CF, what? A story for the fighting ibises of David Beckham's heart. (laughs) Unbelievable. They needed three teams in front of them to drop points as well as them needing a win. And they got all of those things to happen. You know, we opened our season beating Inter-Miami 1-0. And they joined Nashville as both teams in their inaugural season making the playoffs. It was kind of neat to be on watching all those games for Decision Day today, Philly, while you were uh, sobering up and, and maybe shaking off your hangover from last night. Yeah, it's not fully shaken off. I'm, I'm still <laughs> struggle-busting it. Yeah, it was cool watching the game down in Miami. I mean, you see that torrential downpour of a monsoon? That was awesome. They had, it, it was pretty cool. It's it's not something we're used to. Uh, we had that issue with the Houston game, and that was fun. But to be able to watch a match, and there were a bunch of support supporters at that game you 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 saw their version of the north end and they weren't socially distancing down in miami but hey that's that's florida floridian rules for you you know how we like to normally kick things off scarf usually educates us ain't that right and so we're gonna have him continue to educate us and he's gonna go through a laundry list of this day in lafc history stats because it's gonna be a couple of weeks before we get to pod with you again because the playoffs won't start for another two weeks scarf look don't worry i've got plenty of things on this day in lafc history docket again it is is Sunday, November 8th, and we are recording this from the heart of Screenland, beautiful Culver City, California, and instead of going through everything I have on this day in LAFC history from now until the 21st, just a couple of highlights, not too many things on this day in LAFC history, even though we could have had a ton on the 10th of November 2016, demolition concluded on the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Of course, that would be the site that became Bank of California Stadium. On the 12th in 1990, happy birthday to Carlos Alvarez. Now, a lot of you out there are thinking, who in the heck is Carlos Alvarez? A former Chivas USA player, Carlos Alvarez was the team's first ever signing that's right before there was Carlos Vela before there was even I believe Bob Bradley there was Carlos 
Alvarez, our first ever signing in team history. Unfortunately for him, he never played for the black and gold. He is still playing somewhere. I think I saw him on a roster. Oh, I believe he's down with the San Diego Loyal. I think that might be it. Carlos Alvarez playing down there. On the 13th in 2017, seat selection for Bank of California Stadium began online. I don't remember what day I actually selected my seats. Philly, do you remember what day you actually selected your seats? No, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that either. On the 15th in 2019, proof that he can score goals, Brian Rodriguez scored the game-winning goal for Uruguay's men's national team in a friendly versus Hungary. On the 19th in 2019, Inter Miami, who we just spoke about, selected Lee Wynn in the third round of the 2019 MLS expansion draft, and I still miss Lee Wynn. Lastly, for this day in LAFC history, a bit of a bittersweet reminder, on the 20th in 2019, just under a year ago, MLS announcing that Bank of California will host the 2020 MLS all-Star game. Yeah, that didn't happen. For the first time, it was supposed to pit MLS All-Stars against Liga MX All-Stars. Of course, we're hoping that that just got pushed back, I believe, right? That just got pushed back yeah, one year. Yeah, we're still going to host it, Scarf. Yeah, so it looks like Bank of California Stadium, or whatever it's called, will host the All-Star game next season, and I really do hope that COVID does not ruin that format of being able to see an All-Star squad of Liga MX players take on an MLS All-Star squad, and that is this day in LAFC history. Philly, not a ton of news and notes leading up to this match. I mean, of course, it's only been four days since our last match, but I checked all the milk cartons here at Casa de la Nina. I didn't see Pablo Cisniega's missing picture on any of those milk cartons, but Philly, a bit of consternation among the LAFC faithful about the only major news that I found, Philly. I know you've got something you want to talk about as well. Is the current status of Pablo Cisniega? We know he picked up a little bit of a knock with his hip, but I'm not really sure what's going on. He's not on the injury report, which we'll review in a minute. He's not in the 18, which you'll review in a minute. We know, again, that he's been experiencing some hip discomfort, which, you know, Philly experiences himself more and more now that he's on the other side of 40. <laughs> Pablo, <laughs> Pablo has not started a match since October 25th, the 2-0 victory over Carson. And LAFC doesn't play their first-round match until at least 21st of November in the playoffs. So that means it's going to be almost a month, Philly, between meaningful action, assuming Pablo even starts that first-round match. And look, Kenneth Vermeer has been fine. In fact, I'll, I'll go out on a limb today and say he might have been our best player on the pitch today, playing very, very well for LAFC in now his three matches since filling in for Pablo. But we will see what happens with Pablo Cisniega. That's a bit of a news and note that we want to keep an eye on with about, uh, what is it, 13 days or so at least until our first round playoff match. So I, I just found this on Twitter. It was when LAFC posted the roster for this game. Our very own Vince LaRosa happened to comment on the fact that Pablo still has discomfort in his hip, but he was training with the boys after their game uh, midweek. So he, he was there. I guess they're still giving him the time off. The, the injury list that we saw... I mean, I don't think other than Andy Nahar, we know the other three didn't have any any type of ACL or, or hamstring injuries. It might be 
it might be the COVID injury list for all we know. But that's a story with Pablo Scarf. As far as news is concerned, the big news is we finally have a playoff schedule now. We know exactly what the future holds for our club. We thought we were going to play Portland, and that quickly changed, and now we're going to end up playing Seattle. But between now and November 20th, there will be no matches, right? There's going to be a little bit of a break. There's going to be international duty that's going to come into play. You and said duty. <laughs> gig, gig, D? No, that wouldn't apply here. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Yes, we have international play that's coming up later on this week. The U.S. is going to be playing Wales, and they're going to be playing Panama shortly thereafter that. But where it's going to affect us is Brian Rodriguez is going to be off to go play with Uruguay. And as of right now, until it's been confirmed otherwise, so is Diego Rossi. So the golden boot leader, which we're going to talk about a little later on, the golden boot leader, Enraito, they may not feature in the first round of the opening matches, which are when, that's the point of what I'm talking about here, November 20th, okay? The Eastern Conference teams have their play-in round. On November the 20th, you get to see number eight seed versus number nine, New England Rev play the Montreal Impact at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. And then afterwards, you get to catch number seven Nashville play number 10 Miami, the battle of the expansion teams. November 20th is when those two matches kick off. Then from there, we're either going to play on November 21st, we're either going to play on November 22nd, or we're going to play on November 24th. One of those three days, uh, we don't know yet what day that is going to be. So if we take out Seattle and the winner of Portland, Dallas, whoever that's going to be, we're going to meet with them on either November the 29th December the 1st or December the 2nd. The winners of that round, that would be the conference semifinals. The conference finals are to be played December the 6th. And then we have the MLS Cup finals that will be played December the 12th. So right around the week of Thanksgiving is when things are going to start to kick back into play. And it's going to go all the way until a couple weeks before Christmas. That is the story as far as the scheduling is concerned. And... It kind of sucks looking at this schedule, knowing that we don't have the number one seed. It sucks to see Colorado jump above us, considering they missed five or six matches due to COVID. Points per game is why we're in the situation that we're in, but such is life. We're going to talk about that a little more. I, I, quite frankly, I'm looking forward to Seattle. I know some people aren't, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So that's the story as far as the news goes, Scarf. Real quick, just want to give a couple of shout-outs. AB Teamwear. Check out their website. They create custom football kits. If you have a team out there that you're looking to put together, tournament stuff, or heck, even if you have your own concept, AB Teamwear turns your dreams into a reality as far as kits are concerned. They made the Defenders of the Bank kits. They've made the Angel City Chicks kits, and they're pretty darn cool. Check out AB Teamwear. And you've heard us talk about this for a couple of weeks now. We thought it would be over come Halloween, but it's not. Athletes in the making is still doing that virtual 5K, all right? You could still get the medal, the pin, and all that stuff. Now, you're not going to get the two-for-one Micheladas or the free fries, but you're still helping a really good not-for-profit organization, keeping kids athletically involved. Athletes in the making still doing that virtual 5K between now and the end of the year. $30 gets you all that, gets you the medal, gets you the pin. It's a pretty sweet medal. I already did my 5K. Scar, did you do yours? I have yet to do my 5K. He's it's, almost started, Defenders. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. 5K. I think maybe after parent-teacher conferences, I'll reward myself with more misery and do a 5K. <laughs> How's that? That'll be great. F- fair enough. All right, Scarf. Let's get into the match <laughs> Let's recap. get into the recap here against Portland. This would be not one, not two, not three, but our fourth 
time playing Portland in 2020. We've yet to lose to Portland this season. The two sides have met three times at three different venues so far in 2020. Of course, we tied 2-2 in the House of the Mouse during the group stage of the COVID Cup, and LAFC then took it to the trees at the bank 4-2 behind goals from Mark Anthony K, Diego Rossi, Bradley Wright Phillips, and the Moose Danny Musovsky. And finally, who could forget the coming out party for Christian Torres as he stole a point in Portland with a goal in stoppage time as the two played to a 1-1 draw. Hmm, familiar scoreline in the Rose City. Again, this is meeting number four, and like LAFC Philly, Portland lost their last match. That was a 1-0 defeat to Colorado in Portland. Both teams looking to snag a win before the playoffs start. And I do want to just say one quick thing about Colorado. For all the haters that are out there saying Colorado didn't deserve to make the playoffs, I believe, Philly, you brought this up on our last podcast. If you organize the standings by points instead of points per game, even though Colorado has played three or four or even five less matches than some of the teams above and below them, they would still qualify with their 28 points. However, they would be in eighth place, but either way, they would get a ticket to the dance. So I understand the haters out there that are saying, yeah, it must have been easier for them to score points. They only had to play 18 matches, but either way, they still accrued enough points to make the dance. So that being said, Back to Portland, Philly. Let's go over the injury report, and let me talk about Portland's big pieces that were out. And honestly, for most of the match, it looked like it. Out for Portland, we know Sebastian Blanco, who tore his ACL right after the COVID Cup. Yaroslav Nishgoda, also out with an ACL injury. Defender Julio Cascante, out with an ankle injury. And another huge omission would also be questionable for the match, Philly, but he would not even be eligible for selection when the lineups came out. A guy who has really been a thorn, if you will, in our side. It's a nod to Portland's NWSL team there. I I see what you did See what I did there. That was clever. That was cute. I do what I can. Jeremy Ibobasi, he has not played since Portland's previous match with LAFC, that 1-1 tie with the Christian Torres goal that we mentioned. He has been on the concussion list for Major League Soccer since that match and has not played. And I think they were giving him a rest. Rumors were that he was questionable and he was doing some light training with the team. But I think they were just giving him a rest to get him ready for playoff time because, like you've mentioned, Portland doesn't play for another 10, 12, 13 days either themselves. But no Jeremy Abobasi, no Sebastian Blanco, no Yaroslav Nishkoda. I know this isn't part of the injury report, but also... No Diego Chara. He is on MLS's naughty list, suspended due to yellow card accumulation. What a Huge, bummer. huge blows for Portland. And again, Portland has won just one of their last 29 matches without Diego Chara coming into this. And that was a win over the Galaxy, so that's fine. Philly, let's go over the injury report for LAFC. No surprise on the injury list. The top of it, Andy Nahar. Surprise, surprise. But it's the other three names that pop up on this list under that that not medically cleared. Very mysterious. Listing. Very, very mysterious. But we've got Mohamed El Manir, we've got Adrian Perez, and we got Danny Musovsky. Elmo obviously would have been a big help. Musovsky Musovsky scores, man. Like he's no doubt an important piece to the puzzle. Adrian Perez, 
Had a great preseason. He's also on the roster. He's also on the roster. I feel bad. That's my guy, Philly. That's the pride of Loyola Marymount University. And the Ontario Fury. Yeah, and he's kind of in the doghouse right now and also maybe injured, maybe COVID. Maybe he's yeah, not going to play again this season. I mean, we talked about how there's four players on the, uh, on, on the COVID, uh, potentially on the COVID list. There are four players right here. Mark Anthony Kay's not on this list. Pablo's not on this list. He practiced with the team, but he wasn't there. And Bradley Wright Phillips, not on this list. He's not here, and apparently he is still away dealing with a personal issue. This is something that popped up late last game. So we hope everything's okay with them, and we hope everything's okay with the players who who do have COVID. I mean, it sucks, once again, that COVID is, is just wrecking situations here. But that's the injury report. Now let's get into the lineup, Scarf. Let's uh, first for the visiting Portland Timbers. All right, so for the Timbers, we know Steve Clark very well. I retract my previous statement. The pesky pine trees of Portland. There you go. We know Steve Clark very well. He is what you would call a workmanlike solid MLS goalkeeper. On the back line, Chris Duvall, Larius Mabiala, Dario Zuparic, and Jorge Villafania, someone who we'll talk about in a little bit, Anaheim's finest former Chivas USA player on the back line, Jorge Villafania. In the midfield, Christian Paredes, who is fast becoming a player I don't like. A lot of flopping and rolling around on the ground. He was pesky today. And I just don't like his hair. There's also that. Eric Williamson and Marvin Yoria. Diego Valeri, the ageless wonder, and I don't know if there are any better passers in Major League Soccer than Diego Valeri, and we saw that again today. Not Diego, but Yimmy Chara and Felipe Mora rounding out the 11. The notables in the 18 are Andy Polo and Dairon Aspria. We would see both of them check into the match today. But those are, as Philly likes to say, the pesky pine trees of Portland. In the black and gold, Philly, who is our starting 11 and the 18 eligible for selection? So we definitely had an interesting lineup. So we had Kenneth Vermeer in between the pipes. Eddie Segura, Jesus David Murillo, Tristan Blackman, Jordan Harvey are our back line. That would be Eddie Segura on the outside, Philly? Yeah, Eddie Segura on the outside. But Ooh, Tristan Blackman okay. finally finds his way into the, uh, that center back position. Anyway, so our midfield, we got Jose Cifuentes, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing, and back, back in the starting lineup, finally. And it was quite, quite the difference maker. You obviously saw the level of play that LAFC had. Carlos Vela definitely making things <laughs> amazing, rosy, and peachy for us. Diego Rossi, your 2020 Golden Boot winner. Amazing stats, Scar. 42 goals, 20 assists in the 84 career MLS matches, Diego Rossi. And starting today, amazing. He The last time he faced up against Portland, he scored a goal, thinking maybe that magic would be recreated. Yep. Christian Torres. Our bench, Philip Edgemato, who we almost thought was going to get some <laughs> We saw today. him get a lot of airtime today. He definitely got some airtime. Dejan Yakovic, Pancho Janela, Diego Palacios on the bench today. Mark Anthony K, welcome back. Brian Rodriguez in the unfamiliar role on the bench. Eric Duenas, Bryce Duke, and Tony Leone rounding out the rest of the bench scarf. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting lineup, made a little bit more interesting towards the end of the match there in the 80-some-odd minute when we saw a lot of Philip Ejimadu on the television. Really interesting to see how they're using Eddie Segura now as a left and right back as he would interchangeably switch every now and then with Jordan Harvey, really playing Jordan Harvey and Eddie Segura high up in this match. Let's get into the first half highlights. Philly, honestly, we controlled 
much of the entire first half. We looked very good, playing very well. Lots of pressure, playing a very high line. Good pressure by LAFC in the second minute. And we saw Carlos Vela make an immediate impact. First, the ball just off his shin. And then he plays it right into Diego Rossi for a near miss. And the near misses by our golden boot winner, or the eventual golden boot winner, I should say, came back to haunt LAFC. Also in the fifth minute, great pressure by Diego Rossi to force a turnover. Latif Blessing on the shot. Great save by Steve Clark. But the rebound comes out to the left foot of God. That is Carlos Vela with the early goal. Five minutes in and LAFC on the mark. one nothing. according to the broadcast. This is a great stat that they laid on us there on the Fox Sports broadcast. Carlos Vela has played in 27 matches at Bank of California Stadium since 2019. In those 27 matches... He's got 28 goals. That's right. Averaging more than a goal a match at Bank of California Stadium across all competitions in the last two years. And Philly, I think we saw the beginning of a beautiful relationship, the triangle between Christian Torres, Diego Rossi, and Carlos Vela. Again in the 12th minute as Vela found Christian Torres right back to the middle to Rossi, skying it well over the bar. And oh man, for the first of a few times in the match, Philly, in the 13th minute, Diego Rossi banging it off the woodwork after a beautiful dribble into the middle. It was actually Jordan Harvey with a great pass that set Diego Rossi free in the middle. He could have really put the golden boot in the bag after that goal, but again, he bangs it off the post, and after 13 minutes, it's still only one nothing LAFC. The interesting thing, just going back to that goal in the fifth minute, yeah, there was great pressure by Rossi, but if you watch the replay, he was actually boxing out his man. And that's what enabled Latif to have that great takeaway. It's Diego Rossi clearly learning how to like box people out. He must have had some basketball training back in his day. We were doing really well, and obviously we kept... This, the, the woodwork is something I, we wanted to call the episode possibly Portland 1, Woodwork 4, or whatever the case was. But we keep hitting that. LAFC killing it at this point. You talk about Diego Rossi having the golden boot in the bag. The only competition he had, because all the, the, the people on the Eastern Conference, they didn't do their thing. Jazzy Zardes? Yeah, he Jassy did. scored. Yeah, Jassy scored score. a goal, and Bojan Kurgic both scored a goal, but they only got to twelve. They needed to get to fourteen. Yeah, so we needed to watch out for Raúl Rui Diaz. That was the player that we needed to worry about. He needed a hat trick in order to just tie Rossi. That's what we were paying attention to. So, sixteenth minute, Vela taking a shot at Clark. Nothing happens there. Eighteenth minute, here's where things start to get a little scary for us. Duval <laughs> fouls Vela. All right, that didn't look great, and. With Carlos coming back from that great 2MCL sprain, Vela took a couple of hits in this match. And that's where you worry how healthy his ACL is, how healthy he is. And you question, should he really be playing a, a, a full match? Carlos Vela has not had a full game since before the pandemic. But in the seven games he's played in, Scarf, he does have four goals, courtesy of the one in the fifth minute. 23rd minute, Sifu lobs one. Latif tries to get a foot on it, punched out by Clark. Torres, seconds after that, he had a great backheel pass to Jordan Harvey. Really, really smooth. And you were talking about the triangle between Vela, Rossi, and, and, and Torres. You know, I'd venture to say that, I'm going out on a limb here, the chemistry between those three actually looked a lot better than the chemistry between Rossi, Raito, and Vela. 
Just saying, we don't have much of a, a frame of reference here, but Christian Torres looked okay. If anything, he knew what his role was. Get the ball to Vela, get the ball to Rossi, stay the hell out of the way. You know, but I think that's what Brian Rodriguez has been criticized for doing so much, right? He's looking to be a pass-first kind of guy, maybe get the ball to Vela, get the ball to Diego Rossi. He does need to finish those chances, though. I think you can give the 16-year-old a little bit more slack if he can't finish a chance or two. But what I love about Christian Torres and what you and I have talked about so much, he's not afraid. he seizes his moment. You're absolutely right. The moment has never been too big for him. And obviously, I thought that about Eric Duaneus as well. Really happy with the way the academy kids are playing. Not happy at all in the 27th minute for that early yellow on Latif blessing. I just think he needs to be a little better early on in matches. Pick his spots a little bit more so that he can go and play with his hair on fire like he's been able to do in many matches this season in the second half. That early yellow kind of clipped his wings a little bit there in the 27th minute. But you know what? He didn't let it get him down because in the 28th minute, a great ball from Latif Blessing to Carlos Vela for a run on the wing. The centering pass was just stopped. Portland earning their first corner in the 31st minute while nothing came from it. And Diego Valeri, the grizzly, wily old veteran there. Diego Rossi running away from him with the dribble. And all Valeri does is calmly just stick his foot out and <laughs> trip him. Earning a yellow card. Look, Valeri is not a player who gets himself into too many bad situations. And no, he's got Diego Char to do that for I know, him. right? You could just tell there, though, that it was, it was a bad yellow. Completely deserved for Diego Valeri. One of those wily old veterans there. And in the 34th, Portland woke up a little bit, Philly. This was uh, a little bit of nervous time. A couple of close calls for LAFC as a pass through the box finds nobody. Portland keeping possession. And again, Diego Valeri, I will say this again for the second time on this episode. I do not believe there's a better passer in MLS, maybe even in MLS history. I know there's been Maxi Morales and Sebastian Jovinko and a couple of others, but he may be the best passer in MLS history, Diego Valeri. But Philly... It's been a theme. You were going to call the episode something else. And let's talk about in the 37th minute, it's more woodwork for LAFC. More woodwork indeed. Crossbar this time. There's a header from Torres to Vela. And Vela just just strikes it a little too high. I mean, he had Clark beat a beautiful curler. I think it was off his right foot, not his left foot in this instance. But hitting the top of the crossbar. Unfortunate set of circumstances. You talked about just a couple minutes prior that Diego Valeri thing. It was nice if we would have gotten the scene in real time. You saw it on the replay. FS1 decided to display their graphic just as that play was starting to develop, <laughs> if you, you remember that correctly. Yes. 39th minute, Atsuesta with one hell of a pocket picking. That's what I'm going to call tackles and, and steals, pocket picking. He had a great one, and that was really the it. Nothing happened, but it just looked cool, so I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> Philly very distracted by shiny objects right now. Oh, yes. 41st minute, great corner from LAFC, but Portland knocks it down and clears it. Nothing really happened for the rest of this match. A foul, another hard foul on Vela. Anytime Vela gets hit at this point, like I'm, I'm clenching my fist as if yep. I'm on the pitch. You don't want to see Vela go out because of a because of a schmuck play by a player like like Christian Paredes. He was a pesky pine tree on the pitch today, that's for sure. 43rd minute, not sure what happened with Rossi on that one. Torres to Vela, Vela to Rossi, and he just mishit the ball. He had a perfect opportunity, a golden opportunity for a golden boot bagging. See what you did there. Yeah, but just didn't have enough mustard on it. And that closes out the first half. There was no stoppage. 
And despite the weird-looking lineup that came in, LAFC did look pretty darn good in that first half. They had a lot of shots. Yeah, Philly, I thought we dominated the first half completely. And I know you like to go through the first half stats. Did the eye test match what it says in the stats at the end of the half? Clearly not because possession was 50-50. It was split right down the middle, which I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it at all. But where LAFC was dominant was on the shots. They had nine to Portland's one. Shots on target, four. To, to Portland's zero. There's your difference maker. Clark definitely made some saves today. He earned his paycheck, no doubt. Passing accuracy, both teams above 80% with LAFC at 85, Portland at 80. Corners, 2-1 to one LAFC, and fouls, 5-6 to six for Portland. That's the tale of the first half. We look good. Despite possession being 50% of the time, it clearly looked like LAFC had the advantage throughout the course of the first half. Yeah, I thought LAFC could have been up 2-3-4-0 after the first half. But in the second half, Dejan Yakovic coming in for Jesus David Murillo. So at the 45-minute mark, Dejan comes in. And, oh my goodness, he looked great through the first 10 minutes or so. LAFC again, though, Philly, it's as if they were playing that game where you get out on the pitch. All right, this time I'm going to hit the left post. Here we go. And you clang it off the left post. All right, well, this time I'm going for the right post. Oh, my goodness. And it was Christian Torres to Carlos Vela on a great ball back to Diego Rossi. I mean, we're talking about him hitting it for the second time. Rossi could have had 16 goals on the season. My God. Goodness, Unlucky. the third piece of woodwork that LAFC has found in the first 53 minutes, and it was all about number five in minute 55. Dejan Yakovic with a back heel away the first time, then a header away the second time, then a block on a shot the third time. He was everywhere for LAFC in that minute. And LAFC, again, really having a tough time clearing through about the 57th, 58th minute or so. Christian Paredes doing a great Neymar impression as he (laughs) rolled around on the ground with not a lot happening. And Philly, you mentioned it in the first half where you got super nervous every time you saw Carlos Vela go down. Well, in the 59th minute, Philly, you and I just sat there in silence and said a small prayer as Carlos Vela limping a bit after the challenge. Turns out it was one of those soccer limps, not really like an injured limp, because it looks like he's okay. But as they're saying on the broadcast, and you and I were thinking it too, all right, we got a solid 60 minutes out of Carlos Vela. Maybe it's time to get Raito in there. Maybe it's time to give him a little bit of a break. That would not come to pass for quite a while. And I think this might be the first yellow card on the kid, Philly, in the 63rd minute. 16-year-old Christian Torres picks up a yellow for a bad tackle. And after that, it became a little nervous time for LAFC, just 27 minutes remaining in the match, but still only the one-goal advantage. Indeed. It definitely should have been more than one-goal advantage. It was that pesky piece of woodwork. Instead of hearing the sweet sound of the ball hitting polyethylene, In case you're wondering, that's what the Nets are made out of. We heard clickety-clank-clank way too many times. Nice job by Kenneth Vermeer in the 64th minute coming out and clearing the ball. 67th minute, we start to see some subs come in for the pesky pine trees. Espria in for Loria. Right away, he had an impact. A couple minutes later, he blew by Eddie Segura. We were wondering what the heck was Eddie Segura doing in that situation. Espria looking to assert his dominance in the match early. Valeri, anytime this guy gets the ball in the box, it's a scary thing. 70th minute, Valeri with the ball in the box, headed just wide by Portland. 
71st, great recovery by Jordan Harvey. 1v1 with Yimmy Chara. It's always scary when Jordan Harvey's got that 1v1 with anybody. And then we got 74th, nervous time defenders. Potential foul in the box. Latif finds Atuesta, who spun around beautifully, but he got hurt on that play by that pesky Christian Paredes. No call was made, but clearly Atuesta got hurt. He was lying down there for a little while. You can't lose Atuesta. You can't can't lose Vela. Like we've already had such a crappy season when it comes to these things. But thankfully, Edward wasn't shaken up that much. He he got up, got himself right back in the game. And your boy and something you know people have been pining for scarf we haven't heard brian's song in in, in a little while 76 brian uh, coming off the bench brian oh. subs in for christian torres i just want to know i said this while we were sitting Million here dollar it. bench player for the day brian uh, i i just want to know what lafc fans f- facebook page thinks about the fact that a 16 year old kid is now at least for this match ahead of Brian on the depth chart a little bit and getting the first 76 minutes of the match. I think it was kind of a super sub role for Brian Rodriguez to come in today and to start making an impact. In the 77th, it was Andy Polo and Marco Farfan both coming in for Paredes and Duval for Portland. And Philly, our wait, what? what moment of the episode? Certainly the wait, what moment of the match? Kenneth Vermeer with an unreal save on Diego Valeri. He just kind of enveloped the ball as Valeri got all of that shot from, I don't know, five, six yards out. Unbelievable save by Kenneth Vermeer, really doing a lot of great things there in net for LAFC. 81st minute. Honestly, this could have been a red, although I'm not sure it would have changed much of the outcome of the match, but a bad, bad foul by Darren Aspria and oh, literally kicking Kenneth Vermeer straight in the head, going for the ball. We got to see an actual concussion test being administered out there on the field. Look over here. Right, and, a look sobri- over here. and a partial sobriety Yeah, test. right. He had to put one foot in front of the other, walk this way. Now don't move your head and look over here. It was see pretty... The back, sell the alphabet backwards. Uh, yeah, honestly, it was, it was pretty surprising that Major League Soccer would actually have allowed that to be shown. We know in the NFL, the second there's an injury, oh, pan away and talk about something else. Pretend nobody knows there are injuries. But we got to watch the entire concussion protocol process play out there on the pitch. And the other thing that we got to watch, Philly, is Philip Ejimadu begin to warm up in case you ever need to find Philly at certain events. He's the one wearing a number 40 Philip Ejimadu goalie jersey yeah. every now and then to a match. He owns a Philip Ejimadu custom jersey. I know we were both kind of excited, but I looked at you and I said, but Philly, is this really the first time we want to see Philip Ejimadu get into a match all season or at least all of his black and gold career? Not, not so much, but luckily for us, Philly, Kenneth Vermeer is okay. We didn't have to see Philip, although we would have liked to, and we move on to the match. And luckily, 87th minute, another big save off a header for Diego Valeri that found a streaking timber not meant to be for Portland. And we said, okay, come on, we got to hold on. We got to hold on. We couldn't hold on. No. 88th minute, Janela comes in for Latif, Mark Anthony K. Hey, welcome back, Mark Anthony K for Sifu. But Philly, 90th minute, that. After 80th minute hex, shoot, after the 90th minute hex in this one. Yeah, 90th minute. Clark had another great save on an attempt by Brian Rodriguez. 
And that led to a counter by Portland. Portland caught LAFC in this case. There was a great cross by that villain, Diego Valeri. He connects with Villafania. Equalizer, 1-1. And you just have to put your your head in, in your lap at this point. We had so many unbelievable opportunities to put this game away. And sadly, the football gods weren't on our side. Sadly, the football gods didn't bless Diego Rossi's left and right foot. Fortunately, they did bless Carlos Velas, though. But sadly enough, we closed this one out with a 1-1 equalizer. It, Yeah, we got a point, but obviously that point cost us a, a, a tremendous amount in terms of our, our, seating for the, for the, our seating for the playoffs. It's just, we don't really lose that much to Portland. They are the team that we usually score a lot of goals on. And, you know, we, we, we could have. I mean, this game could have easily had been 4-1 or 5-1. But the woodwork caught more of the ball than the damn back of the net. And that's the story. There were six minutes of stoppage time. LAFC did make some runs. We had, you know, Pancho Janela had a shot saved. Eddie Segura just misses with a not-to-esta pass. We controlled a good portion of this game. We, we peppered Clark. He definitely was the busier keeper. Uh, compared to Kenneth Vermeer. But yeah, there's your final whistle. And just like that, a, a exciting win potentially. Our last game at the bank for the 2020 regular season comes to an end. And potentially our last game at Bank of California Stadium for the rest of the year. Yeah, turnabout was kind of fair play for Portland. We did the same thing to them up in Providence Park as Christian, Christian Torres Torre, stole that goal. So, okay, a little bit of a poetic justice if you're the soccer gods there, but... We controlled almost all of stoppage time, and in my opinion, we controlled the most important parts of this match. So look, what that leads me to believe is this, Philly. Portland finished in the top three in the standings in the West for a reason. They are a very good, very well-coached squad who just happens to be going through some injury issues of their own. A 1-1 draw against Portland is not the same as a 1-1 draw against Vancouver or a 1-1 draw against San Jose or a 1-1 draw against any of the teams that didn't make it in the playoffs. This is a well-earned 1-1 draw by Portland, but it's also a solid draw by LAFC knowing that we created chances, chance after chance after chance. And look, maybe after 13 days off, Philly, when we get a chance to practice, when we get a chance to rest, when we get a chance to work on things, it does bring you some hope moving into the playoffs. Here's a surprising stat, and I said this a couple of times on the broadcast. No team has scored more goals from set pieces this season than LAFC. That was a surprising stat. And I think that once we get Carlos Vela back completely healthy, because look, Carlos Vela looked great for 60 minutes, and I actually don't think it had anything to do with that little knock that he picked up in the 59th. I think Carlos Vela was just tired. I believe, what was it, Stu Holden? Might have said, was it Stu Holden or was it Taylor Twelman? Whoever it was, they're the same person as far as I'm concerned. They're just Uh, the evil versions of each other. Yeah, Carlos Vela looked tired after the hour mark, and I think Carlos Vela was tired after the hour mark. A little bit of an interesting substitution getting into the 16-year-old Christian Torres in for Brian Rodriguez when you and I both thought it would be Carlos Vela. But look, it is what it is. I don't look at the standings, at least the final standings, Like, they're as much of a bummer as a lot of our fans were certainly talking about it on LAFC quote-unquote fans Facebook page. LAFC finishes the season 7th in the West, and that means a first-round matchup and a chance at revenge against the Seattle Sounders. Yes, we get to go up 
to Seattle, just like they came down to Los Angeles last season and ruined our hopes at MLS Cup, we get to go up to Seattle and take them on and ruin their season. Yes. Are there big three playing very, very well? Nico Lodiero, Jordan Morris, and Raul Ruiz Diaz? Yes. They're playing very well. Is the team relatively healthy going into the playoffs? Yes. They're relatively healthy and looking good. But you know what? You know what they always say, Philly? If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And clearly... Last season, Seattle came down to Bank of California Stadium and beat the man. We were the Supporters' Shield winners. We were the favorites to win MLS Cup. Well, this year, Seattle has had a much better season than LAFC has across the 22 matches, I believe, that they've played in their MLS season. So we get to go up there, and we get to go through the man, beat the man, and move on to the next round for whoever is next for LAFC and the black and gold. I love the chance at revenge. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I wasn't overtly concerned either. Did I want to face Portland? Sure. We always have a decent time with Portland. But Seattle's the team now that we we have to beat. They're the number two seed. And for the most part, they easily could have been a number one seed. We get through them and then we move on to the next round. And we take on the winner of either Portland or Dallas. Okay, so we have, you know, we have our work cut out for us. But I would rather, like you said, take care of the man, take them out. It is going to be the revenge narrative. And we are going to take it to Seattle. The only question is, who is going to be in our lineup? We mentioned this. The biggest concern is who's going to be gone for international duty. We're going to lose Rodriguez. Okay, we're, I don't know if we're going to lose Rossi yet. We'll find out within the next couple of days. Their matches will be done, but their quarantine time, and especially with the numbers going up and consistently rising in the United States, that COVID pandemic, that protocol, that quarantine time period, they're not going to look to change that. They're not going to look to shorten the window. These boys are going to be out at least until the second round. So if we can take care of Seattle without a full lineup, yeesh. (laughs) <laughs> which is scary with its own right. <laughs> Once we get everybody back, then we could take out the winner of Portland or Dallas. And it would be pretty cool to see Dallas because we played Portland way too many times this season. We have not played Dallas. And I'd like to see some new new teams that we face uh, this season. It can't be these same teams. It gets kind of dull after a while. And, and let me be clear. Would I have rather faced Minnesota, Dallas, Portland, or any of the other permutations that we could have had? Sure. I would have rather faced them. But look, we both agree, Philly, that at some point, you and I believe that to get through the Western Conference and to play for MLS Cup, we would have had to take on Seattle either way. So you know what? Rip the, the Band-Aid off. Let's go. Let's look at a couple of other quick things. Philly, you mentioned, first of all, our first match either going to be November 21st, 22nd, or 24th, which means we have at least 13 days in between matches. That means more time for Mark Anthony K, more time for Carlos Vela, more time for Pablo Cisniega to get healthy. A little bit of rest for guys who have been playing a ton. Eddie Segura, Jose Cifuentes, Edward Atuesta. I mean, this is going to be great for these guys. I want to throw in a couple season-ending stats, Philly, before you break down the golden boot winner for 2020. I want to mention a couple of things. LAFC again finishes leading the season in goals scored for Major League Soccer. 47 goals scored on the season, one ahead of Portland at 46, and three ahead of Seattle and Philly at 44. So despite 
the way that we played for parts of the season, despite our offensive woes, and oh, by the way, despite missing the Landon Donovan MLS MVP award winner for much of our season, we still led the league in goals scored anytime, anywhere, LAFC can score if we have our full complement of weapons. Goals allowed, however, is a whole nother story. Last season, we played 34 matches, Philly. We gave up 37 goals, just over one goal a game. In 2020, despite playing only 22 matches, not 34, but 22, 12 fewer matches, We gave up two more goals, 39 goals, than we did last year. That's rough. So we need to shore some things up on the back line. We know that. And our two losses at home this season doubled our regular season loss home total from last year. That means we only lost one game at home last year. But look, those are a little bit of negative stats, except for obviously leading the league in goals scored. We had a huge positive come out of this. A guy who has already won one golden boot this season for the COVID Cup. A guy who was already named the best young player of that tournament and a guy who was named to the best 11 of that tournament gets to put another piece of hardware on his shelf. And Philly, this is a big one, not just for Diego Rossi, but for LAFC. Indeed. Diego Rossi, the youngest golden boot winner in league history at 22 years of age. Diego Rossi is the golden boot leader. What a fantastic season he has had. You said it. We mentioned it earlier in the pod. I'm glad you, you talked about it. A pair of boots. Because five for one, totally forgot about the COVID Cup golden boot. <laughs> it feels like that was forever and a day ago. It was three seasons ago, it seems it, like. It really does seem like it was that far off. But yeah, Diego Rossi, despite not having all the other people normally to his side, he showed us that he can take... The, the role of a leader on a team. He took LAFC on his shoulders and helped do what he needed to do to help propel us in the direction that we're in. Super proud of this young man. He's got such a bright future ahead of him. And yeah, to, just to think, we, we sing songs about him scoring the first goal ever against the Sounders in 2018. We didn't have a clue who he was back then. And now to see the, this young player mature, blossom, and, and earn all these accolades, he really deserved it. I'm super, super proud of him. Again, the youngest Golden Boot winner at 22. What the heck were you doing at 22, Scarf? I wasn't winning Golden Boots at 22. I might have been drinking out of boots, but I wasn't winning them. I can tell you what I wasn't doing at age 22, Philly. I was not scoring professional goals for LAFC or for any other professional soccer team for that matter. I wasn't even scoring goals for a pub league soccer team on a dirty, grassy, awful pitch. I- I'm not very good at soccer. I know this might surprise some of you if you've seen me in person, but I'm, hmm. I'm not quite built to play soccer. I'm more built to watch soccer, and I'm pretty good at that. Uh, at 22, though, you know what I was doing? I was getting my career started. I was teaching for the fourth year in my life. I started teaching at 19 years old, which is kind of crazy. So I was teaching for my fourth year. And what's incredible is when I was 22, Philly, Diego Rossi was seven. Oh, that's, that's, that's scary. Isn't that funny? Like you were teaching, uh, you were teaching preschoolers at that age. And yet now you hang out (laughs) with a guy whose wife would argue he still acts like a preschooler. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How do you like them apples? Oh, the poetic justice. Oh, in there. I love it. Yep. So that's the story there. Let me go through the stats as far as the uh, the game is concerned. Shots on goal. We had nine in that first half. We only we finished off with fourteen. 
eight came by way of the Portland pesky pine trees. They had all their offensive output in the second half. Shots on target, we had seven of their three. Possession still fairly even, 52-49, ever so slightly tilted in our favor. Passing accuracy stayed rough. Passing accuracy stayed roughly the same. Fouls at 13 apiece. Corners, though, Portland had more, four to three on that one. But Yep, the game ended in a draw, but I will say the one thing that did put a smile on my face as far as the games are concerned, the Galaxy got the crap kicked out of them by Mark Dos Santos and Vancouver. Three to nothing. It was it was nice to see Carson at least get the crap kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah, just in case you guys are wondering, unfortunately, Carson does not wind up with the wooden spoon, yeah, which, that's a bit of a which would be the worst record in the conference. They wouldn't have gotten the wooden spoon anyway. Look, FC Cincinnati is apocalyptically bad. <laughs> they had 16 points scored in 23 matches. Amazing. They won as many games at home, one, as they won on the road, one, but they were one in 10 on the road. Cincinnati had just awful. But that being said, I think it's fair to say one of our favorite moments of the evening, Philly. After the match, we were watching the recap between Maurice Adu and Alexi Lalas. And the, what is the third guy's name? I feel terrible. Rob Stone. I, I, Rob Stone that's his name. Thank you. Rob Stone leans in. He goes, all right, guys, quick question about Chicharito. If you could find a deal for Chicharito and you're the Carson Galaxy, what would you do? And before the end of the question ever came out of Rob Stone's mouth, Alexi Lawless, who I'm not a huge fan of his commentary, but you know what? He's polarizing, so he does his job. Before Rob Stone could even finish his sentence, even finish his sentence, Alexi Lawless goes, drive him to LAX. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is that not a referendum on their $9 million investment? Look, Chicha is a hero to many of our listeners out there, a monumental member of El Tri, and obviously his exploits in Europe and everywhere he's played, he has been incredible. This was clearly not the best fit, not the best season, not the best look for Chicharito, but you know what? That's Carson's problem. They've got to worry about that. In fact, we'll see what happens in the front office in Carson. It's going to be a long offseason for that team 13 miles down the road just outside of Los Angeles. But we've got playoffs to worry about. And again, we get a chance to exact the same kind of revenge or the same kind of fate that Seattle enacted on us just last season. Really looking forward to it. Philly, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of looking forward to having a couple of days off on the podcasting circuit. We get to, you know, kind of rest for a little bit. And we have until the 20th, until the first playoff match. It's going to be kind of fun. We've got some cool things happening down the pipe, by the way. The website and YouTube channel are coming. Very exciting. We're going to have some giveaways all kinds of cool autograph stuff that we have kind of been accumulating in anticipation of both the website launch and the YouTube channel launch. So we're going to have some really cool giveaways. Make sure you check out our Instagram page. Make sure you check out us on social media at Defenders of the Bank on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. We haven't put this out there very often, but if for some reason you like to follow me, The Scarf, it's at LAFC underscore The Scarf on all of your different social media outlets. We don't normally plug ourselves very often, Giggity, but that being said, Philly, <laughs> I haven't how... plugged myself all day. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
How can our listeners, the millions and millions, follow maybe a few <laughs> less after that comment? Follow you on social media. Uh, okay, uh, at Philomonster35 on Instagram. Uh, I have to check what my Twitter is. Dear God, you're on social media literally 24 hours a day. No, that's unless not you're true. passed out. Out, which I really want to do right now. <laughs> at dotb Philly is where you'll find me on Twitter. Christian Philemon is how you'll find me on Facebook and. That is about all the plugging of myself I will do at this point. <laughs> all right. Well, look, you guys, this has been a lot of fun. Episode 129 in the books. The next episode you hear will be a playoff, either preview or breakdown. We'll see what happens. We may get one in between our playoff match against Seattle, but we'll see. But you guys know how we'd like to end all of our episodes. This one, number 129 in the books. We'll try to do better for 130. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.